1 John chapter 1. Before we do that, I want to tell you about a couple of resources. At the uh, table, we just had an increase, significant increase in our printing expenses last week. And because of that, all of our prices of our books are going up. But I told my wife, I'm not raising them for uh, Auburn. We're going to leave them the same here. So all the books that are back there, you're, you're getting the deal that used to be all the time. But uh, starting in January, uh, they'll be, when we go to churches, they'll be higher. Um, also, they make, somebody went by today and said, these are our Christmas gifts. And uh, they do make good Christmas gifts. When you go back there, make sure you get one of our prayer cards. It explains what we're doing and uh, sign uh, on our clipboard, if you will. We represent Fairhaven Baptist College while we're on the road. You know that from the last time I was here. And uh, we have good confidence in the training that they're doing at the college. Uh, we have some music. We have Majesty Strings. There's uh, Volume 2 and 3 uh, back there. I thought I have Volume 1 also, but I don't see it on the rack, so it may be underneath. Uh, but they're um, beautiful strings with an orchestral background. Uh, Majesty Music, well, I can't recommend everything they have anymore, but um, they're uh, unloading these, and these are some of the best they ever made, in my opinion. So I encourage you to take a look at that. The um, Los Angeles Philharmonic trombone section. Uh, I think I told you about this before when I was here, but uh, the uh, director of the trombone section's niece was getting married and asked him, said, remember uh, grandma? And uh, the niece said, how she loved the hymns. And he said, yes. And he, she said, could you think you could get your trombone section to play the hymns and um, do that for our wedding? And he did, 29 hymns, and they play them uh, strictly the right way, and they, um, uh, it's just beautiful music. They're impeccable in their music. Uh, this is the Outreach Quartet uh, from Maranatha Baptist College in Watertown, Wisconsin, back in the 90s, when they used to stand where they should stand today, but they don't. But uh, this is a great uh, barbershop-type quartet, again, of 27 songs, and you won't be uh, dissatisfied with that. That's just good music. Uh, all four of those men, by the way, went into the ministry. Um, we have helps for counselors. Uh, there's no verses written out here, but many verses, uh, references in here, and outlines for counseling on different situations that arise Great help for uh, those. I use that in my counseling. 52 Family Devotions, a book I wrote, uh, because fathers are oftentimes intimidated and don't know where to start when it comes to training their children. So we have an outline for each day of exactly what to do and a manner that you can teach them. Uh, we ought to teach our children manners. But uh, it's a scripture some other verses if you have teenagers, and then discussion questions to get them talking if you have older children and that sort of thing. Um, a song that goes along with the theme and so forth. 52 family devotions. My granddaughter was here, the la not the last time, but the time before that that I was here. 
and she wrote her first book, A Better Place. So, you know, part of the family business, you know, you got to keep right. By the way, my son that was here and preached told me the other day, he said, Dad, books are burning in my heart. I said, good, that's what we need. And so he said, it won't be long before uh, you'll see me putting out some books. But uh, she just finished, I think, she finished uh, book number two on this. It's going to be a series. Uh, It's about a girl and her horse and her family. And uh, it's a novel a short novel for children, uh, or adults for that matter. Um, it's that time of the year when you want, you're thinking about the new year and you want to have a devotional. This is a 365-day devotional for my wife, and this is a uh, three or four-month, I think four-month devotional. These were the devotionals that God gave her largely while I was going through cancer, uh, chemotherapy, so uh, taste of honey. Um, we had a fellow who uh, was pastor in Kansas City, Missouri, and he was Parsonage was next door. He went over for prayer meeting, and um, pretty soon while he was in prayer meeting, his teenage daughter uh, came home. I think she might have been 19 or 20, actually. But she came home, and she was rebellious, and she said something that ticked her mother off, and her mother was otherwise godly. From everything I can read, she was a mission secretary and a godly wife, a godly mother. But she snapped that day, took the gun, and shot her daughter and killed her. Turned, when she saw what she'd done, she turned the gun on herself and killed herself. He, he heard the, the gunshots and came running, and of course he found the mess and um, a, subsequently resigned, took care of business and resigned. But uh, many years later now, he has written the whole of no hope. When you feel like you are in the hole of no hope or you're talking to somebody and they feel so dejected and so downhearted and they feel like that, he does not talk about that situation in here, but you know he knows what it's like. And my wife read it and she said it's uh, illustrated in here and just a quick read and chuck full of nuggets on that topic. Excellent book. Tom Souter wrote it. He is back on evangel. He remarried. He's on the evangelistic trail today. My um, friend David Cloud wrote this book, Woman and Her Service to God. Uh, we get questions about that. That's an excellent book. Uh, Lion Proof Your Children. Uh, there's a couple, the Robs, and uh, he plants military churches in different locations. And his wife was interested in why we are losing our children in our independent fundamental Baptist homes. So she did some research, and this is lion proof, keep your children from the claws of the devil. And of course, you have the devil as a lion goeth about seeking whom he may just... Uh, um, what is it? Devour. Devour, yeah, that's right. And the last book I'll share with you is Did God Put a Book Inside You? Man, we need independent Baptist writers. We're getting all kinds of the other kind, and they're watering everything down. We need Bible writers. This book takes you uh, to, to how to write a book and get it published. And uh, just some resources for you. 
as you look at the books tonight. By the way, I hate doing that. I hate taking the time to do it, but if I don't, you look at all that, and it's just a sea of covers. It doesn't mean a thing to you. And so um, I'm happy to do it, but uh, not my delight. This is my delight. First John chapter 1. And we'll read verse 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Some Christians are facing situations in their lives like the man that is described in Proverbs 14.13, where it says, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. That's a sad situation right there. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. So even after the laughter, he goes back to sorrow and heaviness. Some smile or laugh occasionally on the outside, but inside they're hurting deeply. And the Bible says that even Jesus was given to sorrow. In uh, Matthew 26, 38 that we looked at this morning, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Jesus was the man of sorrows in Isaiah 53 and verse 3. So he knew all about this, these situations. Spurgeon, the great preacher in London in the 1800s, was given to depths of depression that he said he didn't wish on anyone. So this can happen to anybody. This can happen to ladies, it can happen to men, it can happen to preachers. Uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. There is a discouraged spirit that can dominate us until it seems that we forgot what it was to experience genuine joy. Genuine joy seems a, uh, a foggy memory that we used to have in our lives, but we can't seem to get it back. We aren't very good advertising as a Christian in those days when that happens to us, and that happens to all of us from time to time, I believe. But Paul described a state that we can come to where we are in 2 Corinthians 6.10 as sorrowful yet, yet what? Always rejoicing. Every one of us naturally faces sorrowful and heavy-hearted and sobering and discouraging times. Yes, we do, from time to time. Times when joy is not our tendency. Did you hear me? When joy is not our tendency. And yet our text says that God wants our joy to be full. Now, how do we reconcile these two things? He wants our joy to be full. This evening... We want to examine joy and what the Bible says will bring joy. Then we want to draw some conclusions as to why we live without joy and how we can overcome the bondage of a heavy spirit or a sorrowful spirit in our lives. How do we overcome that? Before we do, let's define what biblical joy is. Definition of biblical joy. It's an overflowing gladness that we can't naturally account for 
except that we are right with God and he has supernaturally blessed us with this joy. Joy is not a mere emotion. That's what happiness is, a mere emotion. That's why you can have it for a little while and lose it, have it, lose it, have it in an emotion. Joy is based rather on facts that we realize are true and we focus on those truthful facts. So not on our circumstances or on our feelings. It is based on participation in the privileges extended only to believers in Christ. And so, uh, then how do we experience joy? What can make me joyful again, preacher? Let's make a list of ways tonight in this message of the ways that God says we can be joyful. And before we start, let's bow for prayer. Now, Lord, we need help. We need a lot of help in different situations as they arise in our life. And one of those situations is when we're, we seem to be dominated by a heaviness or a sorrowful spirit, or uh, just uh, discouragement. I pray, Lord, that you will help someone tonight in this place to regain their joy, to start the process of regaining their joy the way the Bible tells us that we can. And I pray, O oh Lord, for strength for every believer in here, Lord, to face the circumstances of life and still be rejoicing. I give you glory and praise, Heavenly Father. You're a great God. Thank you for allowing us to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, we become joyful when we realize that we are saved and all that salvation means. The more we learn about salvation and what God has done for us, it ought to just bring a smile and joy down deep in our heart as we rely on the facts, the facts of our salvation. Romans 5.11 says, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. We joy in our God by whom we've received the atonement. We've received forgiveness of sin, saints. And we ought to think about that. Even in our circumstances of life, we are saved. In Philippians 1, Paul calls it the joy of faith. Verse 25, Philippians 1:25, joy of faith. Think about this. You and I deserve to go to hell and burn forever and ever because we have all sinned. Hello, everybody with me tonight? You're all here, aren't you? Yep. So we're all in the human race and we deserve to go to hell because of our sin. But no matter how bad this life becomes, you will never, never go to hell if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the facts. You ought to rejoice in the facts. that no, uh, However bad it gets here, this is the worst you'll ever have it. You're going to heaven where it's all glory and honor and blessing with our God. If your loved ones were saved and they've gone on, you'll see them again one day. In fact, we need to take time to remember the joy that we experienced the first day that we received the word of the gospel. You remember that day? 
When was it that you got saved? And how, how did it fare in your life? Did you just walk away and say, okay, well, I just did another thing? No, no, no. No. Now, if you're like me, there was a big weight lifted. The weight of sin was lifted, and the, and the, the result of sin, which is going to hell, I realized I wasn't going to hell anymore. Man, oh man, there was nothing to be sad about in that. And the joy of the Lord we had in those days. Matthew 13 and verse 20. 13, 20 in Matthew. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, A-N-O-M means soon, and anon with joy receiveth it. Don't let anyone steal the joy of your salvation. We received it with joy that our sins may be forgiven. Consider again the pure joy that only comes from knowing Christ as Savior. Brother, we ought to rejoice over that again. And if you're here, and you're here without Christ, you've never received Him by faith. Why don't you give yourself uh, to Him tonight and let Him forgive your sins? You'll never regret the day that you receive Christ as Savior. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, the song says... Let Jesus, what? Come into your heart. That's right. All right, go to John chapter 15 and verse 11. Secondly, not only as we consider our salvation and all that that means, but we are full of joy when we are learning the Word of God. When we are learning the Word of God. John 15, 11, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that's the word of God, what Jesus spoke, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be what? Full, full. Again, he, he gave us his word to give us his joy. He gave us his word. That means that every time that you sit down with the Word of God and read it and study and think about what you're reading, He did it to confirm in your heart the wonderful joy that He wants you to have. So He spoke to us His Word that our joy might be full. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4, our text says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Again, John the Apostle was writing by the Holy Spirit, and he said, we're writing this down for you so that your joy may be full. Every time you read it, it ought to be full. Amen. We need to read it more. The truth is we need to study it more. We need to be in the church services more and hear more of the Word of God. And if we did, our joy would be full. Um. The Bible was spoken and written for us to learn it so our joy might be full. Is it any wonder that some are in the doldrums when they don't pick up a Bible from week to week? When they carry their Bible to church, but that's about the only time they touch it. That's a sad thing. Your joy is not going to be full unless you get in that book, brother, sister. You need to be in the book. And too many Christians never touch it during the week. 
God invites us to study his word, to show ourselves approved unto him, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How are you going to do that, Christian? How, how are you going to schedule your life so that you have time in the book? When is it that you study the book? Are you deriving the fullness of joy from the Bible that God promised? Because this is one of our sources. Now, you say, well, I'm, I'm just kind of in a, a, a funk right now. I'm kind of in a spirit of downhearted uh, thing. Question, when was the last time you picked up your Bible? When was the last time you studied your Bible? Because this is one of our sources of joy. One of our sources is to think upon the great salvation that he's given us. Another one is the Word of God. We need to uh, have a study uh, of the Word of God and make it a priority in our life. And if we would, we'd find out that he wrote it to us that our joy might be full. Something else. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 4. Another source of joy. God has all kinds of sources of joy for us. Joy also comes from praying and then seeing our prayers answered. Ooh, boy, when God answers prayer, doesn't that do something for you? Hey, we prayed about that, and God did it. Honor to God. In Philippians 1.4, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. Well, Paul here is asking with joy as he's asking. He's having fun just asking. He's enjoying his prayer life. He's praying with joy. But I want you to see John 16, 24. John 16, 24. What a blessing it is to unload those requests that no one can address except our God. And then, what an added blessing when God answers our request. Amen? I love to come to prayer meetings. Somebody raised their hand. We prayed about this last week or the week before, and God has answered prayer. Let me tell you what God did. Ooh, that's joy right there. It brings a, a, a sense of, wow, what a great God we serve. And there's the joy. In verse 24, John 16, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive why? What's his purpose here? That your joy may be full. This is praying for joy. Praying for joy. We study, and God gives us joy. And we pray, God answers prayer, and we have joy as we're praying, and we have joy when God answers the prayer. We need to get back to God's sources of joy. If we're in the doldrums, let God help you tonight. Could I meddle for just a minute? Are you really praying? Are you really interceding for others? I know, I know we come to church and we have prayer requests and we pray over them at church, but I mean, are you really, do you have a prayer life at home where you're praying over things? Um, or do you leave all the praying to everybody else? Well, I, I sure hope preachers get in the praying done because we need a lot of prayer. No, 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 no. Prayer is something that God intended for every one of us. 
He wants every man to be praying. He wants every girl to be praying, woman to be praying, boy to be praying. Every person in this church has a ministry of prayer that God wants to develop in their life. And that may be why your joy is waning or it hasn't returned. That may be why you haven't been, that you've been in bondage to a sorrowful spirit. No answers to prayer, no prayers, no prayers. And your church won't be joyful unless you're praying. We need to be a praying church. I believe that you are, but in case somebody has gotten away from the pattern, uh, be challenged tonight. In Ogden, Utah, we were out there one time and I was preaching. We got word that Will Burrell had just received Christ as Savior back home. Now, you don't know this, but we had witnessed to Will 20 years before that. And I could not get him off dead center. However, um, we prayed. And we prayed for Will and his wife Marty and their children. And it didn't happen when I was pastoring. But we got out on the road and we heard that our prayers had been answered. And that God had saved Will. He's a big strapping guy and real strong and uh, he, um, just a super guy. And so uh, I went to the pulpit that night in that church in Ogden, Utah, and we were just bubbling over with joy, and I told them the whole story of Will. What was happening? My joy was full because prayer was answered. God came on the scene and saved that man's soul. We got back home. I could hardly wait to get back home to shake his hand, see him, he is faithful to our church services. He's involved in our church. And we're, and his wife, his children have gotten saved now. Ooh, boy, that's, that's good news. Turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. One of our problems in prayers, we pray too broadly. We don't pray specifically. And God loves us to pray specifically. He answers specifically, and we know it can only be God in the fullness, full blessing of joy in prayer comes from you spending, me spending time in the presence of God. God wants our attention. God created man to have fellowship with him. And prayer is an opportunity for that to happen. Look at 1611, Psalm 1611. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is, oh, there it is fullness of joy at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore i wonder if he's calling somebody here back to a, a his presence tonight back to his presence do you need to get back to a consistent prayer time maybe a prayer sheet something that you're praying over not rotely but with feeling and caring and praying specifically over needs that you see and just spending some time in the presence of the Lord. This is the key to overcoming melancholy and discouragement. I encourage you, check your prayer life tonight. If you need joy to return, it, this could be it, prayer. These are the things that God said would bring joy, and we need to be involved in them. Number four, we're, we're studying what God says brings joy. The fourth one is, witnessing to others witnessing to others acts chapter 8 and verse 8 would you go there 
The joy comes from seeing others brought to Christ. Man, that was exciting to see that young man get baptized today. You know what I like? That he knew what it was to be saved. I love that. Is it, uh, what's his name, Jesse? Teddy, yeah, Teddy. Right there he is. Boy, that impressed me. And how you testified up here, uh, Teddy. You knew what uh, you were talking about, why you were being baptized. I like that. But in Acts chapter 8 and verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. When was that? That was in, uh, where was it? It was in Samaria. But when, it was when they heard the gospel and they received the gospel. And there's great joy in the city. In Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my brethren, but dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. They became Paul's joy, his crown. Man, every time he thought about those believers in Philippi that he had led to Christ, uh, what a joy it brought to him. We'll lead some people to Christ. And bring joy to us, amen? Just invite somebody to come and watch them preach or preach and they get under conviction and some of them will come forward, get saved. Oh, it doesn't matter how they get saved, but we do everything we can to get them under the sound of the gospel or to give them the gospel ourselves or to hand them a track and they, you hear about them getting saved. Man, you want to do an old Baptocostal fit, kick a leg, and joy comes in your heart. Does it not? Does it not? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. First Thessalonians 2.19 For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as he's coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Those we win to Christ, seeing others saved, ought to flood your heart with joy. If it doesn't, your joy maker is broken. You need to be at the altar tonight. But Psalm 126 says, he, when we go and we weep and we sow, then we'll return and we'll reap and we'll rejoice. When was the last time you witnessed to someone? We've cut off our opportunity for joy. Do you see that, brethren? It's not just an arm twist to get you to witness. Not at all. This is a source of joy for Paul. And it can be a source of joy for every one of us. Who is it that God might lay on your heart that you might start to intercede for, that you might start to get a burden for, and in your prayer time as you pray for them and maybe weep over them and maybe give them one of your brochures the preacher was talking about for your upcoming uh, Christmas gala, and they might come and they might come and get saved. I was talking to Nick this morning, and Nick said he came to Beast Feast, and he got saved. Honor to God. That could be happening over and over again if we just get somebody on our heart. And you know what it would do for us? Joy! Are you discouraged? Witness to somebody. Tell somebody about the gospel. Give them a tract. Give them a CD of a message and uh, invite them to church services and when you see them, get saved. 
Oh, my. We won't be able to hold you back. You'll want to do it all over again. Um, this is one of our sources of joy and great joy at that. All right. Turn to Second John chapter 1. We're trying to see what God says will bring joy. If we're down in the mully grubs or we're down in the doldrums, well, we need to know how to get out. And this is how to get out. Another important source of joy, God says, is fellowship and unity with the believers. And what happens when we're in a doldrums? Sometimes we reason, you know what, I just don't feel like going. I'm just... I'm down in the doldrums. I don't, I don't think I'm going to go to church tonight. I don't think I'm going to go to that banquet. I don't think I'm going to whatever. I'm not going to be around the believers tonight. That's a mistake. We need to have fellowship and unity with the believers. I have a great drive to be with others of like precious faith. Do you? And even when you're in the doldrums, you should have this. And when I am with them, I have tremendous, tremendous sense of joy. 2 John chapter 1, was only one chapter, and verse 12. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. Our joy, yours and mine, may be full. We have joy, fullness of joy, when we come together. And we ought to avail ourselves of that, that's for sure. That's how Shirley and I feel about coming back here. We have a, a, look, a, a forward looking to coming back to Freedom Baptist Church because we've had great joy with you in the past a number of times. And we come back and we see familiar faces and folks that are still going on for God no matter what they're facing in their life. They're still walking with Christ. What a joy that is to see that. And you to see us, I hope that's a joy. Philippians 2 and verse 2. Philippians 2, verse 2. Paul writes and he says, Fulfill ye my joy. Uh, boy, the Bible says a lot about joy. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. This church ought to be the oasis in a spiritual desert out there. Every time that you think about coming to Freedom Baptist, you ought to think to yourself, man, i got to get to the oasis spot. If you were out in the desert, you could hardly wait to get to the oasis and get a drink of that cool, clear water, amen, refreshment to your soul. And so uh, this is what the church is. Every time you gather together, you should come in from the trials of life and from rubbing shoulders with the world, but... Your church should be a place of joy for you to come. You ought to sing with joyful countenance the wonderful songs of Zion. Come ready to edify and build up somebody else. Paul said that it brought joy for everyone when they came together and there was unity and it brought him joy to hear about that. Have you ever been in a church when folks weren't getting along? Oh boy, I have. I've been there where you had a couple leaders in the church, and I remember one leader in the church saying to the other leader, come on outside, let's settle this in the church. Now, thank God it's been a long time ago. But angry, bitter Christians don't have joy. They just don't. 
They try to manufacture it, but it's not down deep inside. The joy that you and I experience, honor be to God, is way down deep. It's deeply rooted. Honor to God. Ladies and gentlemen, you have joy here whenever you have the one mind and the one accord that he spoke about in Philippians 2. That is, you have the same goals. You have the same doctrine, the same standards. You're going in the same direction, the same vision, the same love and care for the Lord and for others and for each other. And you're headed together, hand in hand, to accomplish the work that God's given us to do in our community. And when that happens, we will all experience joy. And I believe it's happening here. You won't always get your way, but you don't have to, and I don't have to. Um, how do you overcome the bondage of a sorrowful spirit? Could I help you? Remember where to find your joy that you've lost. We derive it from knowing that we are saved and all that that means, from studying the Bible, and we need to get back to that. Fullness of joy, he said, from praying and seeing God answer specific prayer. Fullness of joy again, from witnessing to others and seeing others saved. We need to get back to that again. From fellowship with believers at church and having sweet unity together, something else. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, there are more ways God has designed for us to bring us joy. In Luke 10, 17, it says, and, and we derive joy, God says, from usefulness in his service. Usefulness in his service. When God is able to use us. When we've submitted ourselves to God, God uses us in some way. You, you just have a sense of well-being, a sense of joy that God used me. Honor to God. That's so exciting. Luke 10, 17, the 70 returned again. The 70 that he sent out, they returned with what? With joy. Saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now they got carried away. And Christ then taught them that having their names written in heaven was better than the source of joy that they had expressed, uh, that better than the power that they had experienced. But there is a certain fulfilling joy in being used of God in a local church and in the ministry. What do you think one of the secrets to a good spirit at church is? You know what? Are you ready for this? I'm going to whisper it so you make sure you listen on intently and on purpose right now. Ready? Ready? One of the, the secrets to a good spirit in church is everybody busy for the Lord. Everybody. Everybody plugged in. Everybody using their talents for the Lord. Well, you know, God has given to me to preach, but God hasn't given to everybody to preach. You know who I envy? Not in a bad way, but I just envy. I envy people who can see decorations. I love the decorations after I see them, but I can't do it. And I appreciate those who do that. And I thank God for the decoration. I thank God for their, their part in the church. That's important. I thank God for our sound men. We've had a lot of sound men that 
uh, are, during the service, they're watching dials and checking things, making sure everything's just right. I thank God for those men who are willing to do that. Praise God. Ladies who work in the nursery so that we can hear the word of God and the children are cared for. I appreciate that. And Sunday school teachers, children's church workers, youth workers, I appreciate all of those things. Those who come and shovel off the sidewalks. Uh, nobody sees it, but it's important. Everybody can find something to do. Those who clean the buildings and those who vacuum the, the pews and make sure everything looks sharp for church services so it will be a good testimony. Everything's important. Every detail. Those who play the instruments and sing in the choir, sing specials, everything is important, don't you see? And I may not have mentioned yours, but yours is important too. So we ought to be useful in his service. You go to the nursing home, joy. If you have a bus route, uh, joy. You teach a class, joy. You are in the prison ministry, joy. I don't mean you went to prison, but I mean uh, you work in the nursery, joy. You clean the church, joy. You sing in the choir, sing a special, joy. You're in the sound room, joy. You play an instrument, joy. And on and on we could go. Saints, be willing to volunteer to be used of God and allow your talents to be used and you will experience joy. We sing the song and I don't know if we believe it. There is joy in serving Jesus. Boy, that's what we need to be about. You say, I've been down in the doldrums. Man, get back to serving. There's joy in serving Jesus. All right, the Bible says we'll also experience joy when we overcome our trials. When we overcome our trials. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Dave said that one fell out of his, his uh, old Bible. Is that right, brother? Uh, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the, and, uh, at the right, right hand of the throne of God. Well, I love it when a computer doesn't print a letter. Jesus overcame. He endured the trials, the sufferings, for the joy that was before him. Brethren, that's what we ought to do. He set the example for us, don't you see? James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy, all joy, when you fall into diverse temptations. It doesn't mean when you fall to those temptations. It means that when you face them, count it joy. Because think about this. Every temptation that comes to us has been screened by our Heavenly Father. He won't let anything come to us but what he has uh, uh, checked it out first. We call it a load limit. And so he checks the load of it to see if we can handle that temptation or not. If that temptation gets through to us, then our Heavenly Father believes and, and has confidence in us that we will be victorious in that trial. It's like God saying, son, daughter, I've got confidence you're going to make it through this trial. So therefore, count it all joy when God has that confidence in you when you face those trials. 
He's honoring us. He's entrusting us. We were tested in Wyoming when we had our motor home. We came down a uh, 10% grade uh, down the, uh, was it, uh, what are those mountains out there? What is it? Tetons. Well, down the mountain, the Teton Pass is a 10% grade. So I brought my 40-foot diesel pusher down to 40% grade. So I'm going to put it through its, its, uh, its issue here. I'm going to see how it does. And it did great. It did absolutely wonderful. Held, held that hill all the way down. Problem was, when we got to the pro- bottom, the transmission went out. And I could only drive it 20 mile an hour all, all the way through town into our campground. We got to the campground, and um, on, it was a holiday. And so on Monday, I called a dealer, and he didn't have it. He couldn't fix it. There was nobody answer at the second dealer. The third dealer, nobody answered. I finally got a hold of another dealer, and he said, well, an Allison transmission? He said, an Allison transmission has a limp mode. I didn't know this. And you shut off the batteries for 10 minutes, and then you restart it, and it resets itself. Oh, glory to God. I did it, and we rejoiced that God had seen our plight. Poor me, I'm not a mechanic. I wouldn't know how to fix it. And I'd have to drive it 20 mile an hour, maybe to Salt Lake City. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was going to take me uh, several days to get there. But we experienced joy through that trial that God saw it and God solved it. There's two others that I want to share with you tonight. And I'll share them quickly. One is seeing your children grow up to follow God. That brings joy to your heart. In Proverbs 23, 24... Proverbs 23, 24. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, not just rejoice, but greatly rejoice. And he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. There it is. Again, Proverbs 17, 21 shows us the contrast of that situation. 17, 21. He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his own sorrow. And the father of a fool hath no joy. One of my, joy, my, one of my goals in the church in Pennsylvania when I pastored, I wanted to see every couple be successful in training their children. I wanted to do everything I could to help them to be successful and uh, that they, their kids would grow up to be like-minded with their parents and they would serve the same, their, the same God in the same way. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing. But you're not going to get that just happenstance. You've got to do some training. And if they're going to follow God, you're going to have to do some training. And even then, a lot of prayer and a lot of fear and trembling, sometimes um, uh, a child goes astray. But uh, some parents are going to be sadly disappointed one day because they practice a double standard. Let me t- tell you how it works. They're one thing at church and another at home. There at church, everything's hunky-dory, and, um, but the modesty rules 
changed as soon as they walk out of the door of the church or the other standards. Music, that changes as soon as they walk out the door of the church. And the kids see this double standard. You're not going to raise godly children that way. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Or attitude. You have a perfect attitude in the church service. You walk out and you're eating the pastor for lunch because you know, you know better than him and you're, there, there's pride in your life and anger issues in your life. A lot of times there's uh, some act spiritual at church, but their children never hear them pray or read their Bible, but they do hear them lose their temper a lot. You're not going to raise godly children losing your temper. You've got to get a, a rein on that thing. And so... Um, we can have wonderful joy in our life derived from our children who grow up to serve the Lord. I'd like to talk to you more about that. But the last one now, a final source of joy that we'll have in this message, I'm sure there's more, are our prospects of the future. Whether we think of death or the rapture of the church or heaven or our coming rewards, the Bible says in Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the what? Into the joy of the Lord. Joy of thy Lord. There is joy ahead for us. We're going to live in joy for all ages long. We need to get practiced up here, amen? And so there are ways that we can have joy. We have joy from the very thought of our future that he will say, enter into thy joy, the joy of thy Lord. John chapter 16 and verse 22. John 16, 22. Man, oh man, I love this thought. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but... I will see you again, Jesus says, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Future joy. Jesus is coming. And when he comes, it'll be all joy. I mean, it'll be rejoicing. That we'll be done with the devil, and we'll have the circumstances of life all taken care of on that day. Amen. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Paul wanted to finish his course with joy. Our future is bright. It's as bright as the promises of God, one preacher said. Therefore rejoice and let your joy fill your heart and displace that discouragement i mean just take that discouragement and that cloud hanging over you and whatever it was that caused that thing and say all right i've had enough of that i'm going to do what the bible says that will bring joy in my life i'm going to recapture the joy in my life maybe tonight you have had some blah days and blue days Maybe your joy has been missing and very uh, obviously missing. You've had sorrowful bondage, a spirit of bondage. Sometimes it's because of the loss of someone. Sometimes uh, David 
had a loss of joy. Um, he lost his joy over his sin. And when we've lost joy over sin, we need to confess our sin. Um, reaping in joy follows sowing in tears. And so if you've had a lot of tears, why, be encouraged because joy is right behind it. David went to the altar of God, his joy. He called God his joy. Now today, God intended this message to be a catalyst for somebody who, um, to be dissatisfied with the bully grubs, to be dissatisfied with not having joy in your life and start doing the things that God said would bring joy. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Overcoming the bondage of a sorrowful spirit. Christian, have you been missing your joy of the Lord? You know if the Lord has spoken to you directly tonight in this message about having your joy restored. God may be pointing out one of these ways that he has said to you to have joy restored. Uh, commit yourself to obey him. Your salvation Think about that some more and derive joy. Your Bible study, your prayer life, your witnessing, your fellowship at church, your service for Christ, um, your children serving the Lord, your future, it's all bright. And I want to pray for you. Is there somebody who'd say, Preacher, the Lord is really speaking to me about this particular thing in my life right now. And I know I need to do the things that will bring greater joy back. Could I see your hand? Honor to God. Honor. Uh, all over the building. Glory to God. Somebody else, I don't want to leave you out. I want to pray for you. I promise I won't embarrass you. But could I pray for you? Is there somebody else? Now let's stand together for prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for these who've raised their hands, whose hearts you have touched tonight. You've instructed them. You've shown them that this is possible. It's not normal for us to dwell in discouraged times. Yeah, it comes to all of us, but you want us to shrug it off and get back to the things that bring joy. And I pray, O oh Lord, for those that you've spoken to about what they need to do, help them to be obedient and indeed, as they are obedient and begin to practice these things again, I pray great joy, fullness of joy would return in their lives. Oh God, bless this invitation right now. Help us to be honest before you as we come. In Jesus' name, your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. They begin to play softly in the instrument. I invite you to come. Will you come right now?